Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited first to welcome the program, Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? And, you know, last week's guest was quite interesting because he was involved, again, in uh, the presidency, you know, being involved and being in the White House. Well, this guy is where everybody wants to be right next to one of the hottest celebrities of all time he works with. And that's probably one thing that, again, maybe is worth more than the White House. Dave? <laughs> well, yeah, if I had to choose, I guess uh, you know which one I would do. Yeah, so where would all the, where would all, Dave, where would all the women be, all the all the money, all the people sure, attracted, sure. so I go out with him and stuff, so I'm, I'll introduce them, and then you can go out with the first questions, but I'm excited to welcome the program, yeah. Celebrity well, I, Carl McDowell. The Clinton administration, yeah. right? the, the Bill Clinton, exa- uh, anyone else, yeah. <laughs> Celebrity Carl McDowell, hey, I'd love to interview Bill Clinton any day. Hey, Carl, how are you? It's Carl McDowell uh, we have on the show, and Carl, uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. And I told uh, people every time I tell the story, especially because you're in Ballers, anytime I run into someone that's involved with The Rock, the funny thing I have is he wore my knee pads before when he was Rocky Maivia working in USWA when I was doing TV. And I think I was even on a higher uh Card or cl- in, I think I was higher in the main event uh, than The Rock was. He was bigger for, than the, the bigger than bigger than it, just because he was still in his developmental contract and they weren't trying to come up with anything yet. Rock would probably tell me no, that's not true. But we could go find that match in Memphis, Tennessee, when I teamed up. Uh, I think with Flash Flanagan. Oh no, no, I teamed up with Mike Samples and was Flash Flanagan and. Co- Colorado kid in Memphis, and I did TV and did a uh, squash match on television, Memphis TV, and he wore my knee pads. But okay, Carl, thanks for calling. I had to give you that pro wrestling story to break the ice on a Friday. But go ahead, Dave, with the first question you have for Carl. Carl, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Welcome to the show. We'd love to have you on. Uh, how did you get started? Let me just ask the basic question. How did you get started acting? Was it something that you wanted to do or something that you fell into? Something that I fell into. I'll tell <laughs> a story. Uh, I was playing football in uh, college, and they gave us these, like, really basic classes so we didn't have to worry about studying, and all we could, we could just worry about football. So one of the classes is theater practicum where you go and build and tear down sets. Uh, wow. My teammates, they told they was like, we, don't, we never go to this class. They was exaggerating. They skipped the class a lot, but they told me they never went to the class. I took it literal, and I never went to the class. So um, <clears throat> the teacher called me at the end of the class and said he couldn't give me a passing grade because I'd never shown up. And um, if I wanted a passing grade, that I'd have to do a play for him. And he wanted me to be crooks and of mice and men. And uh, I didn't want to do it. My, I wouldn't have told my coach my, so he can get me out of it, but he thought it was funny that I'd do the play and that he'd bring the team and so they can laugh at me. And uh, so I did the play, and I fell in love with it. Wow. Fate. Uh, fate for sure, Carl. Where did you play college football? Where's the high school? Uh, that one was at Illinois Valley. But then okay. I left there and went to Joliet in Illinois. And then I left there and went to Lincoln University in Missouri. Oh, wow. So was it a D3 school? Yeah, I, was pl- watching, I was watching yeah. documentary okay. on, on some old movie stars, you know back in the 40s and so and that's pretty common where the studios will uh uh you know make a a deal with 
with uh, football players or whatever and, and, you know, make them build sets and what have you. So I, I'm amazed they're still doing that. Well, this was in 90s. <laughs> like well, yeah, but this was back <laughs> in the 40s. So from the 40s to, oh, okay. so, to so, yeah, so they're, so still, they're still doing it. Apparently it works. <laughs> and some have become stars. <laughs> some have. Some have. <laughs> now, so, Carl, I was going to ask a question. Was that D3 college football you played? Or was it D2? What was it? D2. D2, okay. Did you have aspirations to play in the NFL till you got in, got the acting bug? I did. Well, no, I, I still, even after the play, I was still playing football. Uh, and I did. I, I wanted to go to the NFL. I wanted to be a quarterback for the Bears. Um, <clears throat> but I hurt myself in the semi-pros. I tore my ACL. And that stopped me from playing. So, so I guess uh, Dave, I would say he's a per, per, particularly the perfect person to play in ballers because he was involved in football. But we'll get to that later because I know Dave, you have some earlier questions for that, Carl that before that. Your first love, though, football, right? Football is my first love. Yeah. So you were disappointed yeah. when you couldn't play. Yeah, when I when I hurt myself, um, it was like it was like a light flashing before your eyes kind of moment, and it was like. Mm-hmm. Football's done. I need something else. And I yeah. guess acting uh, yeah. was the something else. That's, that's a common story. That's a common story. Uh, football players hurt themselves, and the next thing they know, they become a famous movie star. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I, I saw there's three movie stars in the 40s that did that. I was watching a whole you know, a slew of documentaries on old movie stars. He anyway, must have a did, lot of time. Did, go, ahead, Car- go ahead, Dave. You must have a well, lot no, of time. I was, I was in my bed, and, you know, I had like to spend time with my wife, and she likes <laughs> documentaries, and so, you know, it was it was my wife's time. Anyway, what was your first acting job, and how did you get it? Uh, it was... the Okay, so my first acting job, do you remember this contestant on uh, American Idol called William Hung? Uh, he did the oh. she bang, she bang. Oh yeah, really oh yeah, I remember and, that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, he had taken off. So I remember my first thing was they had me go down to this William Hung video, and they had me audition for something uh, to be in the video. And I remember auditioning, and I got the part to be in that video. I've never seen it. Uh, I've seen you it. You were singing? No, I didn't sing. I just uh, I was doing. I did like an inmate that hated that. Pretended that he hated William Hung, why he secretly oh. loved William Hung. So and, they like um, the way you look. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so I got that part, and that was, that was my first real part was America's Most Wanted. Oh. And I just auditioned for America's Most I did a reenactment of a, like a killer. And I remember oh, not wow. Yeah. It to air because I didn't want people to see it and see me in like the post office and call the cops on me. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's, you had to put on your mean face. So, so that no, <laughs> he definitely had to put on his mean face. Everyone had to be scared, even the people that were looking for this guy that was most wanted. It's funny, Carl. It reminds me of the story. I'm a big fan of the Goldbergs on ABC, and then they talked about the uncle. He said, "Yeah, I just got picked up for TV," and he was on Cops. And so he said, that was my big, that was my big deal. I got on cops. So at least it wasn't cops for you, Carl. Uh, so that's a good thing, right? It was, it was, uh, it was America's most wanted, but did anyone ever walk into you and start saying, oh my gosh, is this the guy that could be wanted? That's, so that's the hard thing when you play those kind of deals. That was the scariest part for me. That was, I was really scared. Like I kind of, I think I probably stayed in for a little while after that one because I didn't want that to happen, but no. No, it, it never happened. Nobody's ever come to me about the America's Most Wanted thing. So, so I'm assuming you're you're interpreting your big break in in movies with ballers, right? Yeah. Well, would you say that's your so biggest break, Carl? So, is, Carl, do you believe that's the biggest break you had? Because I biggest mentioned, break? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was, Sons of Anarchy was huge. I loved being on that. Uh, Shameless was one of my favorite shows. It's the UK version. That I loved, um, and then when it came to America, I was I was like, I need to, I really want to be on this shameless show. And I got on that, and that was huge. So I've had a bunch of big breaks, but the biggest would be ballers at this point, I think. And did you uh, get an English accent when you were in the UK? <laughs> I think we the the UK when I didn't get on, I got on the American one, and they filmed. Oh. 
in LA and Chicago. So no, no English accent. I got to binge watch that one at one point, Carl, because Shameless is really good. But I'm into the Americans right now. See, I have to start talking this pop culture, but I, I'm so into the Americans. That's what I'm binge watching now. It cracks me up when I interview celebrities like shows like New Amsterdam. I said, I don't like that because I can't binge watch it. I got to binge watch. I got to say, I start a season <laughs> and get through seven seasons or five seasons of something. And I'm not even watch ballers yet. Carl, so that's, again, my time. I, I get a lot of time to watch it, but it's got to be something that's available Netflix or Amazon. I don't have sometimes that dime to say, go ahead and do HBO. So when we were asking about your big break ballers, was it because of your football background that helped you get the job? No, actually, um, I don't even know if they knew I played football. Um, so my character on the show has nothing to do with football. He's best friends with one of the football players. So Ricky Jarrett, uh, played by John David Washington, um, is my best friend on the show. He's a football player. He's kind of troubled at times. He's kind of, uh, you know, up and up and down. He's sometimes he on steroids. He has like head problems. Um, so I just take care of him. I make sure he gets what he needs, what he wants. Uh, he had a fun house at some point where I would just bring girls and drugs to, now he has a baby, so I, like, help him take care of the baby, help him work out, help him sneak around, help him do whatever he needs. Uh, I take care of that. DTD helps out. Go ahead, Dave. I'm waiting for a question to follow up that one. <laughs> well, I want to know about your character in Ballers. Is it something that, uh, you know, you had to learn how to be that guy, or are you that guy? <laughs> I'm pretty much that guy. <laughs> so no acting experience necessary. I see. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I make a joke about it all the time. Like they, the writers must like follow me around because they put in the script things that I've already said in life. Like even when uh, we got the audition piece, which was the, um, the hurt, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm smoking pot and I'm watching the movie hurt. And it's about a guy falling in love with his operating system or his phone. And I remember thinking at the time, like, this is crazy. This guy's in love with his phone. And I remember thinking that Scarlett Johansson should have been nominated. And that was what was in the, the text of the script. So, I mean, like, they in my head, really, it's kind of like the perfect marriage between role and actor, I, I guess. Yeah. How about those other parts you had in those other uh, big breaks? Were, were you that guy or you had to learn? I mean, how versatile are you? Well, okay, so the Sons of Anarchy, I was a gangbanger um, in the family, a family gangbang kind of situation. Was, was that tough? And, uh, uh, well, it, it wasn't tough because when I was a kid in Chicago, um, good. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm, I was in, like, in gangs in Chicago. My family was kind of like digging that stuff, so it wasn't hard to get to, but it's not me anymore. That's cool. Uh, and yeah. On Shameless, I was a dock worker. I've never been a dock worker before, so however that was, that was. Well, then I guess you're an actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, but see, he he probably has. And what would you say is your style? What makes it? Because again, Dave, just to tell you, to get to a show like Ballers or get to any show, the audition process is crazy. Because there's tons of people that look like Carl or look like somebody. It's got to be something that makes you special to get that job. Isn't that true, Carl? I'm sorry. Can you say that one more Is time? That makes well, something that makes you special. Audition? Yeah, no. So the audition I was going to – we'll go back to that question, Dave. Is it something special that you – makes the casting people feel you're the right part. So there's a lot of people that might be a little bit like you or act a little like you when they bring you in, they bring in for a specific casting, but it's your ability to be better than them or more special than them that gets you the gig, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would hope so. Uh, what gets you the gig? I have no idea. You'd have to ask them what, get, what got me the gig, but I mean, I do. If I see a role, I try to jump into it. I try to, like, fill it out. I try to bring something to it. I try to bring a little of me to it. I probably try to bring some funny to it as well. Um, so I try to bring some dimension. So, I mean, if that's better than what everybody else is bringing, I'll probably get the part. 
So you've got a lot of confidence in, in auditions or you're, or you're nervous. I mean, what, what are you going through when you're doing that? I, I actually love the audition process, though. Um, um, I love, like, I love getting a script and seeing what I can do with it, seeing how far I can take it, and then seeing where they let me take it. So when I get in the room, if they're going to let me go to 10 or if they're going to bring me down to, like, a 7 or a 5. Yeah. So I, lo I love the audition process. I love to get to work with other people. I love to work off other people. It's really yeah. fun. How do you handle rejection, which I assume there's a lot of in your industry? It's so much of it that you just kind of like, I can't, redeal, I can't deal with rejection in my normal life. Like I probably won't go talk to a girl from fear that she'll say no to me, and I hate that. So, but um, and you don't take the these business, personal, huh? I don't take these that personal. So I mean, if you don't give me the job, that you just won't didn't want me for whatever reason, I don't take that personal. Um, yeah, I mean, I really once I leave an audition. It's out of my head. I don't even yeah. think about it anymore unless they that call me back. That confidence has to be there. It has to exude out of your pores, and, and they can see it. Yeah, I try. I try, man. It's, well, apparently, you're doing a good I, job. It's, I, it seems like – now, with this uh, opportunity, when you first went to Ballers, it kind of – I remember, and I can't remember the other guest that I had on from Ballers that's one of your – uh, cast. I interview so many people, and especially on a Friday in the afternoon, it'll come to me when I'm least expecting it. But when you first it got, London? yeah, it was London. It was London Brown. And so, uh, did Brown. you did you think did you think in so many ways, Carl, that when you first auditioned that this role would last, or it was only for a couple times, just kind of like you were guest starring in other shows before Ballers? Yeah, it was only. For, I think it was supposed to be for like one or two episodes. Um, so I didn't, I didn't think it would go much past there. And then they invited me back to, for another episode in that season, season one. And, uh, and I was very grateful for that. Season two came and then they asked me if I'd want to be in some episodes. And I was like, of course. Uh, so they gave me more episodes that season. Season three came, they asked me again if I wanted to be an episode. So this was just like, still to this day, I'm like that season five, hopefully they put me in some episodes. Um, but yeah, that's how I am. I just play it like that, play it by ear. And if they want me, I'm here for them. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So what new projects are coming up? Uh, one project just dropped on VOD, iTunes, and, uh, Amazon. It's called I'd Like to Be Alone Now. It's a, um, kind of serious movie, kind of funny movie. I guess it's a dramedy. Um, and it's starring Sam Levine and Jack McGee. And Mindy Sterling <clears throat> and Sam Levine's character, his his wife and kids die in a car accident, and his family and friends come over to cheer him up, but he just wants to be left alone. So he locks himself in a room, and then it's kind of like a a really dark comedy. That's cool. It's a cool movie. It's on um it's on those pro those platforms right now. You like comedy? You like drama? Or you could do it all. I like it all, man. I just want to do it all. I want to see how far I can go um, and see what I can do. If there was a show right now that you wanted to be... That's what I was going to say, Dave, is if there was a show right now, Carl, that's out there that you're binge-watching or watching, what show would you want to guest star in or maybe have a possibility? Because, again, how they shoot now, it's far different, Carl, than when before when you were shooting, right? Meaning, like, before you could only do one show. Now you could do multiple shows. So what do you think next? Where do you, what, what show would you want to go on and be a, a star or a guest star on right now that's hot, you'd Man, say? So all of my life, I like, I like Atlanta. I like the, the comedy and the, the seriousness of that. I like uh, Power. I like them all. I like Holy Show. Then Secure. I want to be on Insecure. Um... True Detective, I don't, all of these shows, I just like, I, I see a acting and I just want to jump in. Like, if you play football or you wrestle, you saw people, like, wrestling around, you yes. want to go get in there. That's how I am. Oh, that's exactly, I, I, okay, good, Carl, Carl yeah, uh, Dave has a question, and you just interrupted for a second. Uh, Dave said, how old are your parents? My mom uh, is 60, 60? 61, something like that. She's in her 60s. My father, uh, I didn't really know him too well, so I don't know. He's probably up there as well. Is she in good health? 
she's an all right help. She's like the kind of guy. She's the kind of girl where uh, she's always sick and on death's door. So she's been that way for like fifteen years. I, I'm pretty sure she made like Fred Stanford. Yeah, that's how she is. <laughs> <laughs> you upset her? She's like, oh, now I'm, I'm my heart getting bad, and I'm too sick for this. But she's she's the picture of health. God live us all. Guilt and manipulation. Yes. It's- the reason Dave's asking these questions is, 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 no, that's okay. The reason Dave is asking these questions, Carl, is because his mission, you go ahead and Dave, I guess you asked a question, but maybe Carl has taken care of some other people. Tell about your mission, Dave, and what you're currently doing. Well, I'm a caregiver. You know, everybody knows about people with cancer, people with Alzheimer's, people with dementia, but nobody talks about, you know, the people who care for those people because it's a tough job, you know. It's like... There's there's 65.7 million caregivers out there, and they're not doing uh, a very good job because they're they're sacrificing their lives. Uh, 30% of them die. 60% get sicker than the ones they're caring for, needing a caregiver of their own, and many of them are feeling down, depressed, and hopeless. And yet, mm. one out of three people are going to become a caregiver. Another one out of those three is going to need one, and another one is already one. So it's like there's no escape in it. So and that's why I asked about your parents, you know, uh, do you fear that one day, you know, they're going to need some, some care and, and that, uh, you know, you, you might be the one who have to step up to the bat. Oh, I definitely, I would love to be the one to step up to the bat. I invite her out here all the time. She lives in Chicago and I invite her here all the time, uh, to get away from the Chicago weather, to get away from just Chicago in general and to come out here and like, live whatever day she has left in the sunshine and with, uh, with yeah. me. Uh, but she's still doing her thing. She likes to run around. She likes to party. She's right. <laughs> a young girl at heart. So when she, when she needs help, I'm sure she'll come to me for it and I'll be waiting here. Yeah. It'd be awesome to see Hollywood make, make a movie about, you know, the plight of the caregiver just to get awareness out of it because so many people are just really suffering from it. That's why I started my website, caregiverdave.com, just to help caregivers stay alive, stay healthy, you know, uh, stay out of the hospital, because they need help. And since I am a caregiver, I've been a caregiver to my wife for 22 years. She lost her speech, can't talk, and paralyzed on the right side. So I've made all the mistakes, and so I just help people. Uh, I, I say, if you just don't make the mistakes I made, you'll be doing better. And so that's that's my mission in life. And so last, wow. it's, 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 a, it's a tremendous mission. So, Carl, one question. Are you a Bears fan? Were you hurt by that kick? Yes. You were. Okay. Yes. I got another story. I'm name dropping all day long, Carl. Guess who blocked the kick? My, one of my former students, Ooh. I tutored. Trayvon Hester's the one that blocked the kick. So they should never go after the kicker because you heard they finally, NFL said it was a blocked kick. And my student who I taught SAT and also tutored in middle school blocked the kick that uh, kept the Bears from going on in the playoffs. Just another name drop so to tell you. Oh, yeah, it is my fault, just Carl. Let him yeah. fail yeah. At And then he wouldn't went to Toledo and then on to the NFL and then on the practice squad for the Eagles and then somehow made the squad and his hand blocked that kick so the Bears wouldn't go on. Just had to bring that up, Carl. I just start, you know, start out with the rock. That sounds really exciting and inspirational, but I can't even, you know, (laughs) I can't can't even love that guy for that. he, He tore my heart out. All right, so so who wins this week, Eagles or Saints? I say Eagles are going to beat the Saints. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it. Seriously, well, his, I, I think the Eagles. I like I like what Foles is doing, but I don't think he can stand and throw with uh, with Breeze. If they make it like a drag out game where Foles like keep doing these long drives and maybe getting three or six points out of it, maybe. But I don't think he can throw. If Breeze getting a shootout, there's no way Foles can keep up with him. You know what's so funny, Carl, as I was going to say, is the Steelers were the best team in football, and they didn't make the playoffs. Honestly, if they would be in this tournament right now, they beat the Patriots. But no, we had to go ahead and lose that game by the Saints cheating. So, hey, that's what it, it is what it is. So, Carl, best place we can connect with you for our fans, check out Ballers, but also check out all your other projects. Is Twitter the best place to connect with you? Instagram. 
All right, what's your Insta? Uh, Tell us. My name is Carl D. McDowell on Instagram. All right, Carl, thanks for calling. It was a lot of fun. And, Dave, you love these uh, get being educated by the Hollywood. Even though he lives in L.A., you guys should connect sometime. Get, get a photo op. But uh, do you guys yeah, stay? Yeah. Absolutely. I wish I, if I was in L.A., I would do that. But I'm in Pittsburgh. So I don't. whenever you're in Pittsburgh, Carl, reach out to me. But, guys, thanks for calling. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I'm trying to connect. Carl and Dave, you guys hang out. Thank you, Carl. Go, All right, guys, take care. Show him, show him the ropes, Carl. Show, show, show him the ropes, Carl. Okay, show him a good time in LA. Take care, guys. I'll see you. All right. Okay. Bye bye. You're listening to Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome. It's Neil Haley here, and I tell you on the Neil Haley Network, and I'm creating a lot of amazing shows. And one show, it's going to be on my radio network and also podcast, is Stack Your Own Deck. And I'm excited to talk to this guest and also my co-host because of his expertise in the healthcare industry. So I'm excited to welcome the program Larry Bradley host of Stack Your Own Deck. Larry, how are you? And almost Happy New Year, but uh, it's exciting to end the year with this uh, launching this show. It sure is, Neil. How are you doing today? It's great to connect, and I'm also very excited about what we're going to be sharing with our listeners as far as it relates to their health and well-being. It's some really great stuff. And it's great. And again, people could be watching also on YouTube, and we're going to have it on a lot of different other uh, platforms. And we're really excited about this development because the ultimate goal is we got to get healthier in 2019. And it's not just going to be this fad diet or this quick fix. It has to be a change of lifestyle. And that's what Larry is going to bring to the table because he, he too, has had to do that in his life as well, Larry, right? Because you're a busy guy. As uh, you could tell your background and how you travel all over the world, all the time that you're so busy, you really have to look out for your health. Constantly on the road, which makes a healthy lifestyle a little bit more challenging. So you're right. It makes it a a bigger issue for me, but then that forced me to learn to master it, you know, and try to keep myself in the best health I can, because as you said, I'm always on the move, always out talking and speaking with people. Absolutely. So let's kind of talk about the format. Today's like, I'd say, the pilot show, and we're going to have some great topics to talk about. But can you first tell me about what is your what is Stack Your Own Deck program and why did you create it? Well, the Stack Your Own Deck program, it's being a, a I run a very large national health care plan. So every day I get to see firsthand what's going on in health care. And in America, it's not great news. I mean, we're spending more money, two times and three times more money than any other nation on earth. We're taking more prescription medication than the rest of the world combined. And yet our Surgeon General tells us we're the sickest generation to have ever lived. Now that, seeing that, and then coupled with uh, personal experience with my daughter, 32-year-old mother of two, uh, wife, being diagnosed with breast cancer, having had a 0.4% chance of getting it based on testing and, and, and family history and what she's gone through. Between those things, I was compelled to take a deep dive in how do we get healthier, not so much outside of the current medical system, but assist the current medical system. So Stack Your Own Deck is a series of tips, strategies, and secrets that anyone can use practically immediately upon learning them to get themselves to begin a process of being healthier in a very, very sick world. And that's that's such a, such an important thing because to stay healthy because of our health care costs. That's one thing I wanted to bring up, Larry, because you're involved in this health care industry and you're seeing firsthand the costs continue to skyrocket. And what what it's going to be even more expensive money out of our pockets for health care in 2019. That's correct, Neil. I mean, the, the, the rate at which we're doctoring and medicating has got to be reversed. What I like to say is we need a wellness revolution in this country for people to understand that there are many things they can do, and they're not that difficult to make a big change in their health and well-being. Because it's just, it's just think of this one side of the equation. It's costing employers, employers, $800 million, excuse me, $800 billion a year in lost productivity between absenteeism, presenteeism, and sick employees. Not to mention the own, our own personal 
suffering and out-of-pocket costs, which are going to continue to climb because the model we're working with is unsustainable. It's going to collapse at some point. So people need to take their health into their own hands and start to do things and advocate on their own behalf to make themselves healthier people. And it's not as difficult as it sounds. And that's what really Stack Your Deck's about, is to show the simplicity. Yeah, and, and the simplicity seems very important. And when you think about things and you're talking about healthcare and the state of healthcare, is that we're not going to be able to get doctors or insurance companies to charge less. It's going to have to be we have to get healthier. And it's really, if they really people believe that people are going to charge less for their services, imagine us, Larry, saying the same thing. We're going to cut our services yet perform the same service but get paid less. How many people are going to raise their hand across this country and say, I'll do that, I'll volunteer to do that? Very few, if any. And, and the other thing is you raise a very good point. We don't have the bandwidth in medical care professionals, doctors, nurses, hospitals, facilities, to handle the volume of illness and disease. 70% of our country currently has a chronic disease. Let me, let me give you a statistic, too. 70% of the deaths in America today, each year, are attributable to chronic illness. So it, it's, it's no accident. Think about this. The, the current generation of adults in America, the rate of diabetes has doubled. The current generation of children, yeah. of children has tripled in diabetes. That's a precursor to what's coming our way. The big fear is we're not even going to have the bandwidth to treat these folks. That's why it's so urgent that people take control of their own health. You know, it's, these are external factors, but they're going to matter when you and I need treatment and it's not there to be had or there's long waits or, you know, the, the impossible task of just trying to navigate a disease. Why not try not to have one in the first place or at least manage its conditions? Chronic illness is very manageable to a state of symptom-free and I don't care which chronic illness you're talking about, diabetes, arthritis, asthma, heart condition, uh, obesity, all of those are manageable to a state of no symptom, if not curable. Right. As you've been kind of discussing the state of our health care, especially you running the largest health, one of the largest national health care plans is health care in America is really in bad shape. We were talking about just the costs alone, but also the state of our health. You talked about mentioning a few things, but there's a lot more that's showing that we're one of the unhealthiest nations in the world, right? Absolutely. Think about this. In 1960, not very long ago, Less than 2% of our children had a chronic illness. Today, 54% of our children have a chronic illness. So if you trend this out, it's easy to see where we're heading. And I'm not even talking about the personal pain and suffering of living with this, uh, these diseases or having a loved one trying to live with these diseases and being a caregiver. It affects so many of us. In fact, it affects all of us. It just makes great sense. With what shocks me is people are willing to pay the doctor, pay the hospital, pay the pharmacy, and pay the price personally, whether it's loss of time at work, the pain and suffering of having the illness, the drugs that we're taking, as opposed to, for example, take a 30-minute walk every day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to start out being a 30-minute walk. I get there's some people that it may be difficult to walk to the mailbox, but take that walk, begin a process, begin a journey. And just simply walking every day for 30 minutes would vastly improve anyone's health, especially the 70% of us that have a chronic illness. And when you talked about personally being touched with health issues, especially your daughter's health issues with breast cancer, were there any other uh, health situations in your family that has made you so passionate about this process of stack your own deck, starting it? There were. Both my parents, uh, I lost both my parents at a very young age. In fact, my, my dad passed at 61 years old uh, and had just been to the doctor on Friday, and the doctor gave him a clean bill, and he passed on a Monday at 61 years old. And then my mom died just a few years after him uh, at 68 years old. So, and that's, I, I, what's really affecting me personally right now is, and I don't want to exaggerate the point, but, and I think a lot of the listeners will relate to this. There's not, a, I'll say a week that goes by or a couple weeks that go by that I don't learn of somebody I know, care about, or love being diagnosed, newly diagnosed with a cancer or some 
significant illness. And it's just bearing out the reality of what this research is telling us, that we are getting much, much sicker. In fact, they're saying that this generation of children will be the first in many, many decades to live sicker and die younger than their parents. That's horrific. It's awful. Yeah. And there's a lot of suffering in between all of that. And there's a lot of cost to the employee and the employer. And the biggest move today in America is corporate wise is to move to high deductible health care plans. What we're learning there is upwards of a third or more of people with a high deductible health care plan will not doctor because they have to pay out of pocket up to that very high deductible. I recently read a very sad story of a woman and her husband in their 40s with a couple of children. She gets diagnosed with a gallbladder problem. They're going to do surgery. And in the same week she's having a surgery, they're telling her, oh, by the way, you're also a diabetic. And that week that she's having surgery, the husband has a seizure. Long story short, they filed bankruptcy because of the health care costs because they're in a super high deductible plan. So today, with her blood test strips, there are $120 for a three-month supply. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. she could so ill afford them right now that she says, this is sad. I only test my blood when I'm dizzy. That's a horrible it is state ter- of It's terrible. Especially in this great country. Absolutely. Again, we're listening. You're listening to Stack Your Own Deck with host Larry Bradley. And uh, really an interesting conversation we're developing. Again, I'm Neil Haley on the Neil Haley Network about this whole process of how we have to get healthier. But we have to look at things in a, in a certain perspective. And that involves, again, our healthcare system and, and the costs rise. The only thing we can do, as Larry's been talking about, is get healthier. And through getting healthier, we're going to have less trips to the doctors unless it's for our important visits. And we're not going to be diagnosed with these awful diseases or chronic illnesses. One of the things that we're looking at is pain management as well, Larry. If you weigh more, you're going to have more pain on your joints. You're going to have more pain, muscle pain, and uh, have difficulty walking, all of these things. And chronic pain is one of the major problems in this country as well in the healthcare world, right? Seeing people with chronic pain. Absolutely. There's a ton of Americans today suffering and unfortunately medicating with chronic pain. And look at the opioid crisis, all having to do with pain. And that's at a, at a critical state in this country where we're losing young people every single day because of it may be something as simple as a modest procedure. I had a son that had an outpatient procedure at a doctor, and the doctor gave him a script for 60 Oxycontin. Huh. 60. And I told him, take the, I said, don't even fill it. I said, because you're going to take something much more, more mild than that. It, it's too dangerous. But it, it, it's a matter of not relying so much on the education of the provider. And I would rely on their education, but it's also about educating yourself around what's the best treatment protocol for me. Listen, doctors and nurses are wonderful people doing wonderful things, but they're not God. They're not imperfect. That's why they call it practicing medicine. So the best advice I would give anyone is to become your own advocate or your own advocate for your loved one who may be suffering. There are so many alternatives, and that's what Stack Your Deck is going to teach people, alternatives that can either take the place of or uh, 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 used in conjunction with uh, traditional medical care. I'm not against traditional medical care. I think it has a, a critical place, but it's not the sole source of our thriving, if you will, because that's what people need to want to do is thrive, not just survive. And I think so many Americans are in a survival mode, just kind of letting or allowing things to happen to them rather than saying, I want to take charge here. I want to own this. My sad reality is I always talk about is you hear people talk about illness, their illness, and they'll say things like my diabetes, my cancer. My, I tell people all the time, don't, it's not yours. Don't own it. Don't welcome it. It's an unwelcome intruder into your body. And your goal is to eliminate it, not to own it. And it's a simple mind thing, but the mind is very powerful, as people know, especially folks in the medical field. Uh, The placebo effect. Placebos work because people think they will. There's no chemical reality to them at all. It's just a sugar pill. 
And people get the same effect as if they took the real drug. Why? Because the power of their mind. And that's one of the things we talk about also in the Stack Your Own Deck program. Mm-hmm. And mind is such, mind is so important because, again, when we're negative, when we think things are going to go wrong, they are going to go wrong. So what is causing all the dis- disease now? And was it always like this? As you talked about, we talked that it wasn't, we mentioned earlier in the show, but what is causing all of it? Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the Centers for Disease Control tells us now that the number one delivery system for disease in America is stress. So here's how that works. If we put ourselves under acute stress, like do a workout, it, you'll stress the body and then you'll relax and, and stop exercising and the body will return to normal. That's good stress. But unfortunately today, most of us, if not all of us, are under chronic stress a bad boss, a bad relationship, health problems, money problems, problems with the kids, problems with the parents, you know, problems with our friends. And these are chronic because we, you know, we go into fight or flight when we're under stress. So the, the chemicals start to produce cortisol, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine. These are good chemicals designed to combat something going wrong in the body when it's stressed. But in a chronic state where we never relieve the stress, We don't stop exercising, but you still have the bad boss. You still have the health or money problems. That stress stays chronic. We're in a constant state because of the chemicals in our body of inflammation. And here's the key. You said, what's the number one? If if you could talk to a human cell in any body and say, what, under what circumstance could you best morph yourself from a healthy cell to a diseased cell? That cell would look you in the eye and say, put me in inflammation and I will give you a disease. So it's stress because the stress is creating inflammation. Inflammation is the perfect host and creator of disease in a human body. That's really, I think, the core of the subject. So learning to manage and handle stress and emotions is so vitally critical. And is that new people talking about that? You never hear that with doctors when you say, hey, are you so stressed? This is what's causing your disease. This is what's maybe leading to your cancer. This is maybe leading to uh, an addiction. Because, again, that's another big thing in our healthcare system today are the amount, the amount of addictions of people, alcohol, drugs. All these things are caused by some sort of stress element. Why aren't we focusing more on that, Larry? Because I'll tell you, in medical school, they don't teach and they don't learn about stress reduction or nutrition's role in a healthy body. What they learn is that this pill handles that. Listen, depression in a human person is not a Prozac deficiency, okay? It's simply not. So learning to handle one's emotions, learning things that you can do that are non-invasive, non-intrusive, non-toxic, scientifically proven, some of them even fun, to mitigate and manage your stress and and control your behavior, they're so key to a successful outcome at the end of the day. Doctors are simply not taught. It's not in their wheelhouse. they, They stay inside their lane. I treat people. I give them a script. Look, Uh, Some 70 plus percent of doctor's visits end up with a prescription being written. And you know what? Part of that's us because we're actually one of only two nations on earth that allow direct to consumer advertising of prescription medication. No wonder we're consuming more prescriptions. I mean, you have people walking in the doctor saying, tell them the doctor what drug they want. And we're over medicated. It's simple. uh, It's as simple uh, as that. If I have some issues with my mental, uh, uh, stability, uh, depression or whatever. And the first thing they want to do is hand me a drug. And by the way, the drug has a whole list of side effects, including, you know, suicidal thoughts and even death. Why wouldn't I first be encouraged to try something that's not toxic before I go to that? The doctor's not going to say that. And I'm not faulting them. They're just not trained in that discipline. Just like I think the average medical school has Less than three hours of nutritional training in the entire protocol. That's crazy. Yeah. And what we've heard so far in the show leads to what, how you're setting up Stack Your Own Deck, looking at how to get healthy. So tell us how this program works 
and how people can utilize that, especially we're talking about individuals can utilize it by listening to the podcast or reading up on specific materials that are available at stackyourowndeck.com or on our social media sites, but also, and also your social media sites, Larry, but when it comes to organizations that are looking at what is the, how can I lower my healthcare costs for my individuals if I own a business? What I need to do. This program yeah. kind of tells you that, right? Exactly. And in addition to everything you just mentioned as to access to these ideas, strategies, and secrets, if you will, under Stack Your Own Deck. Um, if I was a business owner, I would have a lunch and learn or a, a miniature work. Listen, we live in a soundbite society. The average American doesn't read a, a single book after they leave high school or college. That's the average American. We live in a soundbite society. So I believe in the concept with Stack Your Own Deck is less is more. Keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. The very second I learn a strategy, tip, or secret, I can implement it immediately. And that's almost every single strategy, tip, and secret in Stack Your Own Deck. So uh, what I would do as an employer is I would introduce the concept, first the book, and then potentially, and the book will be out this this uh, right after the first of the year, we're going to launch the book. And, and that'll contain you know all the basics of what we're talking about. And I would suggest a lunch and learn or seminar or workshop in corporations. And uh, I think if you can excite people into simple things that they can do, and that's what this is all about, you'll get more traction more quickly. And then I, it grows organically. As I realize I'm doing one thing and it feels good and I start to notice a difference, there's a ton of different things in the Stack Your Own Deck program that I can add. It doesn't have to overwhelm me and do it all overnight or at once. Just start with one simple thing and then move on. But I think it's incumbent on, on employers to take this type of education to their staff. Yes. Because if I can make an employee happier, healthier, more present, I'm going to gain from that. Not only is it the right thing to do and humanely correct, and by the way, a lot less expensive on the healthcare side as far as what I'm paying for and what the employee is paying for. So everybody wins with just a little bit of effort to begin with because success will beget success. When I start to feel good over one thing, I'm certainly going to introduce another and then another and then another. Next thing I know, I have a healthy lifestyle or at least a healthier lifestyle than perhaps I had. I think that's really the concept. And this is for the first time as we have been introducing Stack Your Own Deck out there in the community, our social media, all our followers, all the different people have had you on the show. We've really not broken down the program, and this is what this podcast is going to do, break down the program and learn more and more of how it works for Larry and how it will work for other companies and individuals. Speak of the mess cleanse. What is that? Okay, so the mess cleanse is we go back to stress as the number one delivery system for disease, and then why? Because of the inflammation that it creates in the body. Mess cleanse is a mental, emotional, spiritual self cleanse. People do cleanses on their in, in their physical body. Uh, you know, a lot of folks do that. Some even routinely. But when have you heard of someone doing a mental, emotional, spiritual cleanse? of their mind, of their soul. I call it a detox for the soul. So what we do with that is we look at the primary negative emotions that are causing the stress, that are leading to the inflammation and the disease, anger, fear, guilt, disgust. And we break those down and we have folks go through a simple process of one, identifying the things and situations and the people that cause stress Many people think stress is stimulated from the external because it appears to, a traffic jam, a bad boss. But the truth is it's how we're representing those realities to ourselves. I could be internally, I could be in a traffic jam and I could go road rage and get crazy over it and go out of my mind, stress myself to a state of disease, or I could take advantage of a traffic jam as an opportunity to jam out with some great music or just listen to some sure. soft music or listen to a great book. So what the mess cleanse does is gives us the opportunity. It guides us through validating and then confronting. And I say addressing 
each of those emotions as they affect us in our lives with the people and the circumstances. Circumstances, we learn to reframe. People, we learn to deal with one way or the other. But take it to the idea of the mess cleanse is take those emotions that are hurting us to resolution. Because it, 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 Deepak Chopra, Dr. Deepak yes. Chopra says, and, and Ayurvedic medicine says that disease is nothing more than undigested anger. And an emotion that's not expressed cannot die. And the idea with these negative emotions is we want them dead. We want to allow them to die a natural death. And that's a process we'll show and teach to allow people to do that. Very, very interesting. I think that's so important, Larry, and I want to touch upon a follow-up question on that, okay? You talk about specifically enough the stress that causes. It's internally how we feel through different things that happen. If a dish breaks and we get upset and angry and start throwing things or then that leads to two other things that go wrong in our day. If we continue to internalize those things, that is going to lead to more stress and causing us not to perform well at our job, not perform well at home, different things like that. The difficulties and challenges that we deal with on a regular basis, how we respond to them internally is very, very important, right? Absolutely. You see the incidence of panic attacks. I call them fake heart attacks because they mimic a heart attack. Yeah, they do. Even among my own sphere of, of friends and family, the, the, the panic attack uh, incidence is rising dramatically. And all that is, Neil, is what you just talked about. It's stress stacked upon stress, stacked upon stress, never being relieved, never being expressed, just being pent up until finally we lose it and we break down. And we have either a panic attack or a meltdown or whatever people refer to it as, rather than take a, a straightforward approach. There's nothing magical and nothing mystical. And it's not always easy, especially as our stress relates to people. Because yes. sometimes we have to get stressful people out of our lives or decide we're just going to live with the consequence. And the consequence can be dire, depending on how bad the stress is and what the relationships are. But there's a process to walk through to at least begin to address that. And I don't mean in a negative way at all. Now, even with people that are rough in your life that may be causing you stress, there's a way to handle those and handle that that, you know, gets it to some resolution. Because that's the, that's the yes. goal. Get it resolved or you're going to continue to live with it every single day. If it bothers you, it's going to bother you forever. But you're right. To get yourself around certain negative people that you can get out of your life, that's fine. Sometimes your children, you can't get them out of your lives. Your loved ones, you can't get out of your lives. But if you can learn to handle it and not let it bother you, that's so huge. So let's talk about what is the self-management sequence and why does it matter? Well, uh, a lot of people, let's think about this, the, 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 our behavior generates results or lack of results, which gives us uh, our joy or our stress. Most people think that their behavior is random or others think it's hardwired, it's fixed, it's just who I am, it's how I am, I can't change it. Neither of those is true. There's actually a self-management sequence, a five-step sequence that we all go through that essentially drives every single bit of our behavior. And when we learn the sequence, we learn that we can influence the sequence, change the sequence, or at least the results of the sequence, and have better behavior to go on and live the happy, healthy lives that we were intended to. Yes. The people say, why the heck did I do this? Or why the heck did I do that? Well, it wasn't random or a mistake. It was a result of a, of a self-management sequence that you're probably not even aware you're using, but it drove to, to that result. We teach people where their behavior comes from so when you know the source, you can go back and, and, and readdress the sequence so you get more of the outcomes and the behaviors that you're looking for. So key and so important. And if we don't do that, then the results are very, very uh problematic and you'll never grow. And so kind of to summarize so far in the first show, I mean, I could take each one of these topics, Larry, and you could see me ask you a thousand questions about it. Can't you? Yes. Where, and that's what I, that's why somehow I, I have continued to be on radio for nine years and loved to interview and learn from people. And it's the greatest job in the world because you could just sit there and learn from others and implement those strategies. But we learned, first of all, we got to take care of ourselves 
healthy wise by making points to do stuff that will help our aerobic system, help us lose weight, eat more healthy. But we, and we didn't get into a much of the nutrition as much as the fact we got to make changes. But then we talked about the stress, which is something that is not discussed a lot of times and how we have to alleviate that stress. And that has to be part of our self-management plan, not just, I'm going to go walk the stairs every day, or I'm going to park further away from the, and walk, or I'm going to walk the track at night, or I'm going to decide to do something like the treadmill or lift some weights or whatever action plan we make. We also have to make a stress action plan in this self-management process. And we have to regulate ourselves in a diary or something to say, are we really accomplishing these goals? Just like in a business, just like in a family, just like in any specific things, there has to be measurable goals so that we reach a result that's going to make us more healthy healthy and happier people, right? Absolutely. I'm excited, Neil. Uh, you do such a great job of this. I'm very excited about starting to dive into each of these pieces and really roll it out in subsequent shows to teach the specifics to people. I think people will be very, very surprised at the simplicity. And, you know, life is simple. It's, it's we humans that tend to complicate it. And the whole, again, as I said, the idea here is to keep things very simple because simple things are doable things. And the idea is we want to get people doing some things that feel good, that make a big difference in their life. So as we get through subsequent shows and, and doing the, the teachings and learnings on these various strategies, tips and secrets, I think people are going to be very, very pleasantly surprised. I think so too. And I'm getting out information out of you that might not be available yet, but as one thing we're going to have is all every podcast will have available show notes as well, available on your website. And we'll talk about that at the end. Again, this is the process of 2019. Very exciting. We're going to make people more healthy and happy. And, and it's, it's so important. And I'm telling you, we hear these, uh, points, but they're not by people that are experts like yourself. We hear some of these tips, but we don't have a plan and action. And that's what you as a CEO of a company know and how you've changed your lifestyles and how you help others. Last thing is putting into, you speak of putting our immune system on steroids, and you've talked about that at times. This sounds interesting. Give us a a sample of how that works, because you've kind of talked about like, you know, starting the process, but now what about putting your immune system on steroids? I love hearing something like that. That's where it comes. You come out as okay. I direct in a huge organization. I direct so many lives, one million to say the least. Which I mean, I couldn't imagine being responsible for that many lives. How can you now take that and go ahead and help the other people and put our immune system on steroids in the same kind of leadership way? Well, as I said, there's the healthcare system we've already talked about, you know, how it's faring in America today. The key to these, the putting your immune system, I love to say it this way, putting your immune system on steroids without the steroids. Again, I'm not anti-medication, <laughs> yes. but it has its place. There are some simple things. I'll give you a quick example. In the human body, there's three to four times more lymph fluid in the lymphatic system than there is blood, but there's no heart like the blood, the circulatory system has the heart to pump the blood. The lymphatic system has no pump. And that's the garbage disposal system of the human body. It cleanses our cells and blood on a regular basis. Without it, we would be dead in 24 hours. But it has no pump to move the lymph fluid to get the job done. So one of the things we talk about, and this is simple, it's rebounding. The rebounder is a what we might refer to as a baby trampoline little trampoline about four foot wide. It's, it's only six, seven inches off the ground. And all you need to do is get on that thing for 10 minutes a day and slightly bounce on it. You don't even have to have your feet leave the surface. Just bounce. That gravitational pull, the G-force is created by the rebounding, moves the lymphatic system like it had a pump and pumps it throughout the body and makes it that more effective, that more active in cleansing the cells of the body and keeping that lymphatic system working at peak state, which is critical for our immune system to work at peak state. That's just one idea of many that we can use. And and again, what I like to say is they're not only are they simple and pretty much free, but they're scientifically proven. They're non-toxic and they're non-invasive. And why wouldn't any of us, short of a serious medical procedure, (laughs) 
want to do everything we can to stack our own deck that maybe we don't need that procedure or that medication, you know, in, in the, in the long haul. And a lot, and a lot of wellness programs don't think of this. They think of just going and getting healthy by working out, losing weight and not looking at all the other areas. You need to have all those components and you have a free report for listeners today. How can we get a copy of that? You get a copy by emailing win at stackyourowndeck.com. That's W-I-N, win at stackyourowndeck.com. If you email there and just put in the subject line report, we'll send you the free report. It's 10 ways to put your immune system on steroids without the steroids. And we can Google Larry Bradley and find all his different social media uh, out there. He's posting every day, providing... uh, unbelievable information and content and also stack your own deck.com for more it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.